Welcome to the Hall of Lane podcast. On this week's episode, Trey and Jason discuss the five worst teams in the NBA and then debate the best in-game dunker. Enjoy. All right, welcome into the show. This week, we had a lot going on. The NBA returned to form after a pretty exciting All-Star weekend, and the Seahawks made some news, and the XFL is still going on. There was also a big fight. There's a lot to cover. And how was your week, Jason? Pretty good. Real busy. Real, real busy. The big news is Jason got a mic. That is the biggest news that you're going to hear on this episode. <laughs> yes, I sound pretty good. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's all, it's all about the end result. But uh, let's, let's jump right into it. We'll go into the rewind. All right. So to start off the week, I think it was either a week or two ago. I can't remember at this point. But the Seahawks signed Greg Olson. He's 34 years old. We signed him to a $7 million, one-year deal, $5.5 million guaranteed. Last season, he had 52 receptions, 597 yards, and two touchdowns in 14 games. And the previous two seasons before that were mostly lost due to foot, foot injuries. And I, I really see him just as a backup for Will Disley. Will Disley's coming off that Achilles injury. So if he's not ready for the start of the season, Greg Olson will probably fill that role. But overall, I'm not like super excited. I don't want to trash him and say he's old, but he is. He's football old, and I just don't know how long he can stay healthy himself. Yeah, I don't really see this as too much of a depth play, more as a a high ceiling play, because it's expected for Will Disley to come back sometime next season and to run two tight end sets if both of them are healthy. This is with a huge caveat that both of them are healthy. High ceiling, because you could run two tight end sets and they're both are cat, pass catchers. Who would you rather have out there, like intermediate blocking? Will Di- Will Disley and Greg or Greg Olson or Greg Olson or Hollister out there, who's purely a pass catcher? Like if we're gonna be a run first team, he can't block. He cannot block. He's good, bro. He made some winning catch plays the ball. down the stretch. He's, he can catch the ball for sure. He's but a better. He's he a better back block. He's a better backup than Greg Olson. I'm just not super excited. That's all I got to say. I mean, I hope he could stay healthy. And if he does stay healthy, like you said, he can be a fine backup. I just, he's 34 years old. Huge caveat. How, huge caveat with that. I, I understand that. Honestly, if I was a betting man, there's a higher chance of both of them being hurt for the rest of the next season than them actually playing like more than four games together. Yeah, I just I hope Will Disley recovers. He's been really good when he's healthy. Just like last two seasons, he's been lost to injury, which is tragic. Um, coming off that Achilles, it's tough to recover from. But hopefully, he makes a full recovery and he can come in and be a great Seahawk for us. Uh, so let's move on to the XFL, the Extreme Football League. It's still going. I think. I haven't checked how many games they got left, but it's there's only three home games left for the Seattle Dragons. Unfortunately, they lost to the Dallas Renegades 24 to 12. They fall to one and two on the season. I didn't tune in too much. Uh, it just looked like our offense is pretty inept, to say the least, and that's 
really all I got to say. I know you probably didn't tune into that game. And I'll move to the other player that I've been kind of following because he's been exciting, P.J. Walker for the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, he had four total touchdowns. We'll talk about his performance later in a win over the Tampa Bay Vipers, 34-27. to 27. He's just, once again, I'll, I'll say he reminds me a whole lot of Russell Wilson. If you haven't watched any of his highlights, I recommend you do. I do think he will be on an NFL roster spot either the next year or this year or next year because he's just actually good and he's better than a lot of backups out there and maybe even some starters. So moving on from that, we had the boxing match of the week. Deontay Wilder, the big man, he loses his fight first fight of his career to Tyson Fury in a technical KO. Uh, some of the highlights from Tyson Fury included a lot of knockdowns. Uh, one of them in the third round was like a vicious right hook that like, I think cut Wilder's ear. And then uh, later on, it was like the fifth or sixth round. He had this few, he had this nice body blow on Wilder that just sent him stumbling. And then like, yeah, like I watching uh, the highlights, it was Wilder was kind of stumbling and bumbling after that, ever since that third round hit that Fury landed and it just looked clear that Tyson Fury was the better boxer that night. Yeah, it seems like he was kind of playing with him. Like in the very first fight, he kind of played with him in the beginning, and then Tyson Fury got a little co more confident. And with the the haymakers from Wilder, just put him on his ass towards the end of the fight. Both of them, some of the toughest dudes you'll ever see, whether it's Wilder or Fury. Fury actually got knocked out, knocked out during the first fight, and still got up. It's actually mm -hmm. crazy how he came back during that fight, but during this fight. He really spaced him out and like used his his training essentially where Wilder just came in and said, I'm just gonna just trying to lay a haymaker like I did last time. But um Tyson Fury just at, took it to him, was not scared of Wilder whatsoever, and just busted his eardrum. Uh there's a lot of rumors that his eardrum was ruptured and it that messed with his equilibrium. That's why he couldn't stay up. But he lasted Till the, the, till the seventh round. Um, <laughs> it's kind of amazing that he did because he kept on falling over, uh, just wrapping up whatever he could. Tyson Fury was just on him the entire time, but just the the jaw of a, of a, of a statue, Wilder stayed in there. It was actually kind of amazing to see him stay on his feet or keep on fighting for as long as he did. The last fight I remember was Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. And it was kind of a joke. Like Mayweather was just a superior boxer. And there was a lot of hype heading into that fight. And it was obviously pretty disappointing. Like if you had pay-per-view for that fight, like, I mean, it was clear that Mayweather was going to win. And both the guys just kind of did it for money, I, I believe, because they made a ridiculous amount, I think, in excess of like 90 million, something like that. I think uh, it was obviously kind of a money ploy because both, both of them were kind of past their prime. Mayweather was a little more fresh and a little bit of a smarter fighter, but not a, both of them didn't really come out with very many injuries. They kind of just pat like tapped each other on the head a few times. I don't know. It was very uh, overhyped match, and it was kind of particularly overhyped because both of them were past their prime. No one was going to go full out or anything. I don't watch boxing too much, but that was pretty obvious. 
All right, let's move on to the NBA. Made its big return on Thursday. And one of the cooler stories was the Miami Heat retired Dwayne Wade's jersey to the rafters. Uh, Wade had a pretty emotional speech himself. Uh, you just got to love Flash. He had that one title. I think it was with Shaq in 06. And he was just a very exciting player. Uh, a lot of great dunks. Uh, and I really started watching him once he, because uh, I was mainly started watching NBA like past like 2009. And so when I really watched Dwayne Wade was during those heat finals runs with uh, LeBron on the team. And Wade just had a couple of takeover games and he just has like crazy floater, uh, like the turnaround Jay. He was never a great three-point shooter, but that never really slowed him down because he could just get to the lane whenever he wanted to. I list, I started watching basketball around the same time, and uh, the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade is the only ones I saw. But going back and watching highlights from him, just reckless abandon to the rim every time. Like you said, he didn't shoot very many threes, but he really didn't need to. He would just get so many fouls uh, driving to the lane, and that's really slowed down the game, kind of like a precursor to today's NBA where everyone's trying to fish for those fouls and slow down the clock and everything like that. Whether he's dunking over somebody or going to the lane. Yeah, he, he reminds me. Well, Westbrook reminds me of Wade, uh, the way he plays the game. Like they're pretty similar. Like a strong mid-range game and just very explosive to the basket. And I think, like if you match those guys' like highlights up together, like they're pretty similar because Westbrook's a particularly poor, poor three-point shooter as well. All right, let's move on from the Wade talk. Uh, <laughs> a lot of good memories, uh, and we'll probably see a lot of them on the Heat sidelines and a lot of flashbacks to Wade in his heyday. But other news, Joel Embiid, after beating the Nets, he said he was the best player in the world. He declared it. Uh, and then he goes, he went up against the Bucks on Saturday and got blown out. So, I don't know. It's it's just Embiid being confident. I mean, obviously, you want your star player to be confident in his abilities. But it, it's just always funny when a player comes out, yeah, I'm the best player in the world. And then they just get freaking destroyed by Giannis. Because Giannis is currently probably the MVP favorite. And probably one of the best players in the world, actually. Because I don't think Joel's... He's not in my top five. I don't know where you would put him. When Joel is on his game and working 100%, he does take a lot of games off, and that's why people kind of have say that, and he deals with a lot of injury as well. But it's funny you mentioned Giannis because he had a comment about it and said that he sh that Joel should feel that way. It was kind of like a rapper's mentality, but in music, it's kind of subjective, where in the NBA, it's very objective because we look at stats at the end of every game. And when Joel is on his game, where he's hitting those moves in the post and he's just using that crazy footwork, um, yeah, he could be easily the best player in the league. But he also takes every, essentially every road game off. And they have like one of the worst road splits in the in the league. And they have one of the best home splits in the game. So I, I don't know what to glean from that, but um, the numbers speak for themselves, and that's what everyone's pointing to. But when Joel Embiid is on his game, he could be the best player in the league. So, 
Yeah, you just got to bring it on a consistent basis to be the best player in the world and maybe win a championship or get to the finals, Eastern Conference finals at least, before you start saying that stuff. I mean, I, I, I want to put him in my top three. Like you said, he does, when he brings everything, he can be a dominant force on the low block, uh, on the defensive end as well. But sometimes he just settles for too many threes. And yeah, I don't know, like... The Sixers, we I heard today that Ben Simmons is going to be out for a while, so it is going to be on Joel Embiid's shoulders to carry them down the home stretch. Uh, but I actually like their team just with Simmons on it. I, I I like the prospect of building around Simmons better than Joel Embiid at this point. Yeah, Simmons definitely bit, like makes other players around him a lot better. Um, Joel Embiid is kind of an ISO guy. Maybe he he shouldn't be taking the ISOs at the top of the key and shooting so many threes, like he said. But Ben Simmons, even though he can't shoot, makes everybody around him better. And when the game slows down, when you pass to Embiid and he just takes the ball from the three-point line and shoots a three or he dribbles all the way to the hoop, it just kind of slows everything down for everybody else. And there's like a hundred things wrong with that team. And, and that team is easily top three or four talented teams in the league so it's kind of weird to see them um not projected as the east favorites i don't even think they're with the talent maybe they're top four four being the worst but still not in the consideration for top two team in the east is kind of weird for that talent would you put them in your top three like best players in the world like i would have Giannis, lebron and Kawhi up there on my top three and Embiid's probably like maybe in that six to ten range in players overall. I guess like there's not like one to one comparisons, so this this might be a boring answer for some people, but he's definitely like Giannis, LeBron, um, and Kawhi. Like you said, those are like tier one, and you could put those guys. You can argue which order you want to put those guys in, and then the second tier, Joel Embiid is easily in there with like. I don't know, Damian Lillard, um, Paul George, um, Harden. And that's like the next tier below the, the, the top, the number one tier. So, yeah, he's definitely in that second tier. But when he wants to turn it on, he's definitely in that first tier. Would you rather build around Embiid or Jokic from the Denver Nuggets? I would build around Jokic. Like what he's shown so far in his career, he's also one of those players that can be a slow starter sometimes but like this season he started off pretty slow but then he turned it on and he can drop a triple w on you and he's i think he's leading the centers or big men in general in assists he's just an incredible passer and has incredible scoring touch as well like i i'm more comfortable with him taking a three than Embiid. um and i don't know Embiid's probably better on the defensive end though yeah, like uh, he said earlier in the year that he should be in consideration for defensive player of the year. And like, like, like his offensive game, like, yeah, he can turn it on and be like an unstoppable defensive force as well. But it's just the fact that, like, I would agree with you. I take Jokic over him. But like, if the injuries, it's just about the injuries for me. If the injuries weren't there, then I would be totally fine taking a beat over 
over Jokic, but with injuries, like it's so hard. It's so hard. It makes it so close. Like he missed the first two seasons of his career. If you're building quote unquote building around him, even if you're building around him now, he hasn't played like a full season. So it's kind of weird. All right, we'll move on. The trailblazers are facing life without Lillard right now. And they fell to the Pelicans, which is a really critical matchup that we need needed to uh, start climbing up those stand- standings and try to catch the Memphis Grizzlies. Zion was just too big and too good on the low block. He was being a bully to uh, Whiteside out there. And yeah, Zion's just phenomenal. But I can't like be too hard of a fan on him. I like what I saw from the Blazers. It's just a really... They're really undermanned at this point. But they did... Managed to beat Detroit, which was a respectable win. Um, a couple of great performances by CJ McCollum and Carmelo Anthony, uh, which was good to see. They need to start taking care of these uh, lower teams on the list. Uh, I was looking at their schedule earlier. There's a lot of below 500 teams coming up on their schedule, which is good for the playoff prospects of making the number eight seed, especially if Lillard makes a quick return. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of tweets from the Bosnian beast as well, which would be excellent to get Nurkic back. And I know Zach Collins is working his way back as well. So we can get all those guys and we can take care of these below 500 teams. I think there is a good shot that we can catch the Grizzlies and hold off the feisty Pelicans. Cause I think the next game for the Blazers, they're playing Boston tomorrow on Tuesday. And that's a really tough matchup. If we manage to beat them and go on a crazy run, you know, we never know with the Blazers because this is how they've been the last few seasons. They always make that final push to the playoffs and come in like streaking hot. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't think anyone really wants to face us in the first round. We'd be like a sneaky play. But if we're playing, we're, I mean, the only chance we have is to make the eighth seed and going up against the Lakers. Um, uh, entertainment standpoint, I mean, everyone would want to see the Pelicans versus the the Lakers. That would be easy. Like everyone wants to watch that. But um, it is a hail mary to to make the playoffs at this point. I think we're three or four games back. The Grizzlies lost Jaron Jackson Jr., which is like basically one B to Ja Morant. So that's obviously a huge loss for them and. Uh, I've just been hearing on a lot of other podcasts and news feeds that their schedule is really tough, like coming up. They got a lot of great teams coming up to play against, and a lot of projections actually have the Blazers with a higher chance than the Grizzlies of making the playoffs. I think the Pelicans have, I heard from like a BPI report that the Pelicans are have a 67% chance, and Blazers had like a 30% chance or something of making in the eighth seed so we'll see i i think people forget how good lillard can be and how great of a leader he is and that's the one reason i don't want to give up on the blazers yet especially considering they're only like three game three to four games back of the grizzlies and the grizzlies just lost jaron jackson jr who's a dynamic two-way player and now they just had to rely on john Morant to try to carry them to some wins but i like the blazers chances that's going to be a really feisty fight between for that eighth seed and whoever gets there. Um, 
best luck to you because the Lakers look really, really good. And so far, everybody's prediction for LeBron or AD getting hurt has not come to fruition at all. And those guys got, going being healthy going into the All Star playoffs is just it's just a death sentence. All right, coming to a close on the rewind here. Uh, Kobe's memorial service was held today on Monday, two slash twenty four, which is uh, I guess a cool date to hold it on. Uh, There's a lot of great heartfelt speeches, uh, some including Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, and Vanessa Bryant. So if you're interested in hearing those speeches, I'm sure you can find them on YouTube. There's a, a lot of great quotes that came out of that. All right, the topic of the week. We're going to look at the bottom of the barrel teams. So as it stands right now, we're going to take a dive into the the five worst teams in the NBA and just our thoughts on them. We'll try to keep it lighthearted and not try to just trash them because I, I think some of these teams do have some good promise. Some of them probably don't, but let's just quickly cap. So fifth from the bottom, we got the New York Knicks at 17 wins and 39 losses. At number four, Atlanta Hawks, 17 losses, 40 or 17 wins, 41 losses. I apologize there. The Minnesota Timberwolves, 16 wins, 39 losses. The Cleveland Cavaliers, 15 losses, or 15 wins. I can't keep on mixing it up. 41 losses. And the worst team in the league, probably with an asterisk by it, the Golden State Warriors with 12 wins and 45 losses. So let's just start it from the top. Or sort of the top, I guess. The New York Knicks. What are your thoughts on them, Jason? Uh, I think it's just kind of funny how at this time last year, everybody was suspecting that Zion Williamson and KD and Kyrie were all coming to this team. And at this point, uh, they just made a bunch of head-scratching moves. And now they're the worst team in the league. And they have a pretty good shot and making another lottery pick. This just sound, this just looks like a rebuilding team, even though they had the chance to not be one and potentially be in the playoffs this year with how bad the bottom two, two to three, four teams in the East are for the playoff race, at least. Um, yeah. It's just kind of funny. There's no one on this roster that makes very much sense to that go to with each other. It's just a ensemble of forwards and big wings and uh, none of this makes sense they have Frank Nalakina who doesn't live up to hype they have Kevin Knox who is really really young but has not been living up to the hype um RJ Barrett has been playing a lot of minutes and does look like a decent player he's very athletic he doesn't shoot the ball too well but he's getting a lot of opportunities he's shooting about 30 percent from three right now and he's taking about three and a half um and from the field, he's shooting about 41%. So it's not awful. They're, they're, they're not in such a bad place that everyone should meme on them for it. It's actually not bad. It's just like a classic rebuild. And they do have a future going forward. But it's just kind of funny with all the hype around New York that they're not as good as they were. They should have been, at least. Yeah. The league is better when those higher market teams are good. So like the Celtics, the Lakers and the Knicks, 
because they're just big market teams with a lot of fans, fans across the states, including fans across the seas uh, in China, especially. Uh, the Knicks have this prestige about them, which I don't know. They they've definitely probably lost some of it over the past uh, few years of them declining in play and just their general roster management in general. But like they were this historic team for a while and they're a uh, number one free agent destiny destination or so they pro- proclaim, but that was obviously kind of a, a mute point when the Irving and Durant chose the nets over them, but there's still that hope that's there. Cause in New York, it's still the Knicks. It's not, the Nets, it, even though the Nets have been a pretty solid team these past two years, they made they've just been a better managed team in general. Uh, they made the playoffs last year with D'Angelo Russell, and they obviously uh, made a splash this year by getting Durant and Kyrie Irving, and their future looks a lot brighter than the Knicks at this point. But a lot of fans there in New York and in general are still picking the Knicks. They're there is no hope that there's going to be a switch to start going to the Nets games. It's always going to be the Knicks. It's always going to be a Knicks town. That's kind of like the same thing in Los Angeles. Obviously, the Lakers have better stars on their team. The But the Lakers are always going to be uh, the team in Los Angeles. It's It's never going to be the Clippers, which is sad to say, but it's just how it is. I I don't know why it is that way, but... That's just, I don't know, maybe the, just the history of it. But, yeah, the Knicks do have some promising players. I RJ Barrett has been inefficient, but he's also a really young guy, and he has some flashes here and there. He puts up some good games, but the shooting numbers aren't great. He's not shooting 40% from the field, 30% from the free throw line, like you said, and he's what's – Pretty alarm is is sixty percent from the free throw line, especially for a shooting guard. So those aren't great numbers there. And he was obviously their top draft pick from this year. And Mitchell Robinson, he's a nice young center. He's a good defensive player. And outside of that, they got Julius Randle. Uh, he had some great moments on the Lakers. I feel like I'm ranting here, but yeah, I think Julius Randle is like a good player. He just chose money over going to actually a good situation. The Pelicans couldn't like pay him the money that he wanted. The Knicks did. Julius Randle, I, I guarantee it, his agent told him all the hype that was on this offseason, and he thought he was going to be playing with either KD or Zion or KD and Kyrie to some extent. And it's it's just it's just a sad situation to see Julius Randle spend his prime. And he's like a really good player. Like I it would be so nice for him to be on the Blazers. It'd be so much fun. Um, that would be just exactly what we need. Um, I love Carmelo and what he's doing. He had some pretty clutch shots last game, but if we had Julius Randle, someone that could get rebounds and play some defense as as well as play make on his own as a forward, oh, it'd be so, so much fun on the Blazers to space on the floor with CJ and Dame. Um, but yeah, it just seems like he's on Julius Randle Island with all these, uh, misfit toys and he just has to, uh, 
play as many minutes as he possibly can because everyone's so young and everybody's kind of kind of getting their bearings and like the moment he if he stays with the 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 Knicks the moment he's out of his quote unquote I guess he's 25 but around 28 right where he's hitting where he needs to be as a player that's when these players will actually start blossoming and whoever they pick this year and actually becoming a team that's why I think this team is like not as bad as some of these other teams we're about to talk about and going back to your point about um the clippers and the lakers i actually think it's a little closer between the knicks and the in the uh the nets um it's not as big brother syndrome as uh the lakers and the clippers the lakers and the clippers is like what if there was a second team in dallas for football like that's the kind of crazy uh disparity you'll see like there's no there's no way the Clippers, even if they win two titles uh, back to back with Kawhi and Paul George, I don't think they're going to overcome the, the Lakers as uh, Clipper town in Los Angeles. Like there's no way. But there is there's like a pathway for the the Nets to be like the team in New York. I think uh, they got pretty good. They got pretty good like agents there. Their front office is all right. Um, Jay-Z's there. That's cool. He could be Jay Z's like the Spike Lee. <laughs> Jay Z's like the Spike Lee of that place. Like, and I don't know. I think Jay Z is a little bit more high profile than Spike Lee. It is kind of cool. Um, but the Knicks, if they keep on going down this path, it, that that gap between that the Knicks and the uh, the Nets are just gonna get closer and closer and closer and splitting the revenue and revenue and revenue. And it's just kind of crazy because every time you look at those like Forbes top ten. Uh, valued uh, teams in the league. It's always Dallas, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Spurs, and like um, the Patriots as like the the high the highest valued teams in the league. And it's just kind of crazy because they've been so bad for so long. You want to guess the top four most paid players on the Knicks right now? Oh no. <laughs> They have a lot of rookies, so I don't know. It's got to be Julius Randle one, right? All right, yeah, you're good. Eighteen okay. million. I'm I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. It's gonna be someone crazy because I there's no way you would bring this up without it being crazy. I'm gonna go number two, Taj Gibson. Ah, uh, number four, he is on the list though. <laughs> He's making okay. nine million. Well, Marcus Morris just got traded, but I think they're paying for part of his uh his uh thing. Don't don't worry about him. You got a power forward and a small forward left. Oh That's shit! Too, too big of a hint. Portis. Bobby Portis. Yep, he's at number two with fifteen million. That's a lot for another Jesus. power forward. And then our boy Maurice Harkless, the journeyman, making oh, eleven boy. million. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I think they're all on expirings. Uh, well, one to two year deals, so it's not like super bad. It's not like some other teams in the it, East. It is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> the main reason, uh, the probably the Knicks fans will be the first ones to tell you this is James Dolan is a piss poor owner, and that was the main reason that Duran Irving didn't want to go there. Is the way Dolan has been managing the Knicks team and basically the uh, hires he's brought in have not been effective at all and that's a result their signings this year was pretty much like oh we got cat space let's spend it 
And Randall's a defensible signing of 18 million. It's pretty high, but uh, making signing Bobby Portis and then Taj Gibson as well. So without Harkless there, your three highest paid players are power forwards. So I don't I don't really know what they're going for there. Um, I don't want to trash them too much, and we got four other teams to cover. So yeah, 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 Knicks, yeah. The Knicks, I I think they still have the prestige to them. I wish them the best of luck, and the main reason, like, it's oh, there's always the what if. They were one pick away from John Morant and two picks away from Zion. And obviously that would change the fortunes and the decisions they made this summer. If they got John Morant, I think Morant would have brought some life to New York and probably put them like if Morant's putting up the stats that he is now and the Grizzlies on New York, people would be blowing up about it because Knicks are just obviously a bigger market team. And yeah, that would have just been pretty fun. Uh, but that's all. I also Portland's kind of a smaller market team, so I'm glad the Grizzlies got John Morant, and that's kind of a cool fit for them as well. So I'll leave it there, and we'll move on to Atlanta Hawks. With uh, I think they have a pretty talented roster. Um, they've obviously have the budding superstar in Trey Young, and a really solid player in John Collins as well. He could probably make an All Star team if he. Uh, puts up the stats he did. Like he put, had like a crazy game uh, this week. I think he had like 37 and like 17 boards or something. But yeah, Collins and Trey Young are solid building pieces. They had a lot of draft picks this summer that they used on Cam Reddish and who's the other player? RJ Hunter, I believe. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. But yeah, so they got some young guys and they traded for Clint Capella. And they have, they have talent, but it just hasn't seemed to all click at the same time. Uh, any of your thoughts? They're super young, and they know they're super young. Uh, the reason why they're so, um, I, the reason why they're taking on so many of these expiring contracts, like just let me run down the list of some of these like bad contracts that they've taken on, just because they get picks and stuff back. They have. Evan Turner shouts out uh, Portland. Alan Crabb shouts out Portland. Uh, Jeff Teague and Ch- uh, Chandler Parsons. I think they waived him, but they're still holding on to his contract and buying him out. They just know exactly what they are. So basically, what that means is they were taking on bad contracts from teams for stuff back, just so they the 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 other teams could open up space. They know they're not going to make the playoffs this year. As good as Trey Young is, there's no real scenario when your starting five is like under 25, like the, the average age is like under 25. Like there's no way that you're going to be making the playoffs. I mean, they have Jabari Parker on this team too. I mean, they did get Dwayne Deadman and, uh, wait, wait, wait. Wind, Capella, wind but... back. What did you just say that you're, if your best players under 25, you can't make the playoffs. Is that what you said? Oh, their average age on their starting five is under 25. Oh, Actually, okay. now that I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. It's probably, under 23 i understand it yeah your your best player on the team luca i get it yeah they're gonna make the playoffs but the average age the average (laughs) age the average age for that starting five is under 23 it looks like and that's kind of crazy for a team for a team and they know they know exactly where they're at 
Um, it's kind of weird for them to be trading for like bigs like uh, Dwayne Dedman and Clint Capella, but I don't know, to each their own. Uh, I don't really know what they're doing there. They're not obviously with the the, the draft pick of Cam Reddish um, was not super highly touted, but he does seem so, like a very athletic guy that has room for improvement. Um, I haven't watched too many Hawks games, but what I've seen from Cam Reddish, he just looks like a really athletic, young, raw talent. The same ilk is like a, uh, of a, like a Nilakina or something like that. Let's hope it doesn't turn out that way, but certainly like not the value they should yeah. have gotten at that pick. I, I like what the Hawks have done. I mean, I see what they're doing. They're trying to build around Trey Young and bring in like switchable wings that could defend and shoot the ball as well. Cause obviously Trey Young's a negative on defense, but if you bring in enough help, like DeAndre Hunter was known for his defense at Virginia. Cam Reddish wasn't exactly known for his defense at Duke, but he does have really good athleticism and size at that position. And then they bring in Clint Capello, who's just an okay defender as well. So I see what they're trying to build, like just bring in like four decent defenders when you have Trey Young up there that can also shoot the ball. Um, and Cam Reddish sometimes plays better. Uh, like he, I think he's starting to figure it out. Like uh, against Dallas, he dropped 20 points, six rebounds and three assists, which is a nice game for him. He's not shooting the ball particularly well, but I, I do see some promise there. And Hunter's just uh, a four-year player and he comes in with some pretty good experience as well. And I think he can be a solid player. So I, I, I like where they're headed. Like they have a direction and like, I think it just hasn't all clicked yet, but with Collins and Trey young and Hunter and Cam Reddish as like your main guys, like I could see a future there where, especially if Reddish and Hunter go to another level next season, like they could definitely be in the playoffs. Uh, especially with how weak the East is. Like, I think the, who who is it? Like the Nets and the Hornets are in contention for the seventh or eighth seed. Like, I don't know. The East is, we got magic in the Nets there right now in those seventh, eighth seeds. So that those spots are always up for grabs in the East. And I think the Hawks could make a move for those next season. It It is a weird analogy, but it just seems like they have a really long runway for like, well, either making good moves or bad moves. Like, I think they could occur some pretty bad moves. I know everybody is scratching their head over the Trey Young, Lucas stuff, but Trey Young's like a really good player still. Like, he's not Luca, obviously, and everyone's going to hold that over their head. But at the end of the day, they have a really solid young core, and they have a lot of runway to get another star to come there. They have a lot of assets to trade for a good star. I think Atlanta is kind of a destination place. It's like a pretty nice city. People like it in Atlanta. It's not, it's right on the edge of small market with the potential of being a big market team. So um, I think it, it could be a destination for some people. I mean, there's a lot of good rappers and music and food there. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Good rappers. <laughs> they got oh, yeah, a good brother. show too. Uh, <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I like the Hawks. I, I like the roster. I just, I'm trying to figure out what exactly the problem is there. 
Um, and like you, you said, you brought up Luca. Luca and Trey Young are always going to be tied together because of that trade. Uh, I took a lot of heat from some Hawks fans this weekend um, on one of my <laughs> posts. Uh, I understand where they're coming from. You can't can't make the judgments too early, but Luca has been a transcendent player, and he's obvious, obviously going to be like <laughs> he had some stats earlier in the season that were just insane. Like it was like the great he was on pace to have the greatest season of like all time. But enough Luca talk. I think Trey Young is a great young player. He's going to be an offensive superstar. I don't think he's going to like ever just fall off the face of the planet. Um, he's probably he has some ways to go on defense. Like he can be a okay defender. Like if he can add some, uh, he's he's really small, and that's the main detriment. But if he just works on like his defensive IQ and he could probably like follow in Chris Paul's like footsteps and work on his defense that way. You have any final thoughts on the Hawks? Yeah, I don't know if he's ever gonna get to the Chris Paul level of defense. He's basically a trap. I'm not saying he's gonna get to Chris Paul levels. I'm just saying like that's someone he can like maybe get some <laughs> lessons from. I don't know, just to improve his defense from where he's at now. And Chris Paul's pretty he was a really athletic when he first came in the league but he's just a bulldog and he had that defensive mentality and that was the best traits of why he was just a feisty defender and people didn't want to play against him he has some great chris paul had some great games against damian lillard and kind of getting into his headspace and bothering him a bit so i think that's just someone he could model his game after yeah, I think like the level i mean oh boy this is the the analogy everyone makes but when Steph Curry was on his MVP year, he led the leagues in steals. Like, he's not considered a very good defensive player, but I mean, he did lead the league in steals when he was uh when he was uh the MVP unanimous MVP. So, maybe if he could get to that level where he's just helps out, he sags off and he just plays, he just helps where he can. Like, yeah, I think he could get to that point pretty easily because right now he's a glorified traffic cone out there. Ooh, glorified traffic cone. That's <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move around here. Number three, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they received some bad news that I I didn't look at the extent of the injury, but Cat's going to be out for a while, so they don't get to see how this D'Lo Cat core that they're building is going to work out for the next like last stretch of the season and. They they're obviously pretty talented. Like Cat's a great player. I think he's mm, maybe in the top fifteen to twenty player range. I would say uh, when he wants to be, like he can bring on the offensive end. I think he has a ways to go on defense. It's more of an effort issue on that end. And they added D'Angelo D'Angelo Russell, uh, who's a great playmaker and can shoot the three ball well and basically just run that pick and roll of Cat. Uh, he's not a super great defender, but he brings in more than enough on the offensive end to make up for that. Yeah, uh, this team just suffers from just bad bad drafting. After they got Tyler Anthony Towns with the first overall pick, um, just some bad luck with Wiggins, I guess, because that was a pretty good trade uh, for where they were and what they were doing. Um, and they've just been kind of taking on bad contracts ever since. Um, not very much talent in the draft either. 
they traded for a bunch of good players like Malik Beasley and Juan Herman Gomez, which was pretty cool. Um, so it's looking up for that team and D'Angelo Russell, obviously the big, the big trade. Um, but um, so if they could get their scoring and open up the floor for Carl Anthony Towns, who's essentially just getting beat up in the paint all the time. And he really doesn't have any incentive to play defense when his team is losing by 10 points. So um, like you said, it's an effort thing with Carl Anthony Towns. It's kind of looking up for them, but even if, Everything goes right for this team. I mean, I, I with how strong the West is, I don't see them like greater like their highest achieving rank would be like the fifth seed, maybe. Like uh, even next year, like if everything goes right, I think they can trade Malik Beasley and her and Gomez for someone nice, maybe. But Ooh, I I like Beasley. I think you got to keep him. I think he's a pretty great player. He just hasn't been given much opportunity. Uh, he's been really good for them in the past few games when he's got an opportunity. Uh, so I think that's someone you should keep. Uh, I just think it really comes down to needing a third guy. Uh, you, you don't necessarily need a third guy. If you have a, like a dynamic duo, like Kawhi and Paul George or LeBron and AD, but for some of these other teams, when your two guys aren't that great, you kind of need that third guy. Like for the West, it's Lillard, McCollum, and Nurkic. But for like the Denver Nuggets, they have Jokic, uh, Gary Harris, and uh, who's their other guard on that team that's really good? Jamal Murray. And mm. so like I think you need like three guys, and that's who I'm not seeing. I think they, they're hoping that Jarrett Culver can be that third guy. Uh, he He's like a big guard. I. Uh, he actually he looked pretty good in college when I tuned into him. I think his team went to the NCAA finals, if I'm not mistaken. They lost that game, but he had some good like flashes in college. Uh, he's not doing too hot in the NBA right now. Uh, he's shooting below 50% from the free throw line, below 30% from three three, and below 40% at 39%. Um, and he's not. Uh, he has, he's averaging one steal game, which I guess is all right, and 0.7 blocks. But, yeah, so far it hasn't been too great for him. Um, I haven't been watching his recent performances, but he did have that really explosive dunk that we saw uh, in person. That was actually awesome. But, yeah, as of late, he hasn't been too too awesome for them. So I think that's the main thing is they need that third guy. Uh, and. Yeah, I don't know. You you can't squander these cat years because obviously in the player movement era, if cat wants out of town, he's probably gonna find his way out. Um, I think he's on a long term deal. I think he's in the first or second year of a five year deal that he signed. But I don't know. Anthony Davis found a way to get out of New Orleans, so I'm sure Cat could find a way out as well. Yeah, it's just kind of weird to rank these uh, bigs because Carl Anthony Towns is obviously in the worst situation of these four guys I'm about to mention. Uh, well, I guess Giannis is on his own stratosphere, so I'm not counting him. So uh, Embiid, Jokic, AD, and Carl uh, Anthony Towns, I think are all in like the same stratosphere as far as talent goes. But Carl Anthony Towns has easily been in the worst situation. So it's kind of hard to like judge his ability i mean 
he had that fight with Joel Embiid earlier this season. But I mean, at the end of the day, like Tam is dealing with some really bad team, like teammates at that time. Um, so it's kind of hard to rank him. Uh, it's like he played three full seasons, 82 games for three straight seasons. He had his first injury last year. So yeah, I, and then he rested a few, I believe, because they were just not in it at all. Um, yeah, I think that I think uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves know something about Josh Okogie that I think the rest of not hardcore uh, Timberwolves fans know is that he's probably not super good. I, it seems like he puts up decent like stats sometimes. Like he comes in for highlights or he's dunking over somebody. It doesn't. He seems like he gets the line a decent amount. Um, There's some flashes of him last year being a pretty good player. Um, it hasn't really translated. I don't know if he's been dealing with injury or not. It's, 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 but um, him and Culver seem like a pretty solid young core, but I don't see them being a very good team if they're starting on the on your squad. Um, they're definitely good like role players to come off the bench. I think it's a little too early to tell with both of them, but as it is right now, it just doesn't seem like they're solid picks for starting um, – in their starting five and just another thing they could have one of the most deadly pick pick and rolls in the entire game with d'angelo russell and towns i think that could be the one of the most potent pick and roll games in the entire league bar none like it's not it's throw, not the best pick it's, gonna be. LeBron it's gonna be AD, the, lebron and ad is simply like unstoppable <sighs> i'd have to throw up uh luca and Christos Porzingis as well. I think that's a pretty good combo. But I think they could, as as far as just pick and roll, just pick and roll, not like quality of player, just pick and roll. I think they could be up there with and... like, with like the <laughs> like you said, LeBron James and AD. I think that's yeah, that's easily the best pick and roll duo in the league for sure. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, I don't know how you stop that. Like that's such a solid pick and roll uh, duo. Both of them can shoot above average, and it's just. I think D'Angelo Russell works really well at the pick and roll. So, yeah. So what what is their plan? I don't know if you went into this, but they got Russell making the max at twenty seven mil, and then they got Carl Anthony Towns, of course, at twenty seven mil. But then they got Evan Turner, and he's making eighteen mil, and then Alan Crabb making eighteen mil as well. I, I'm where is how did Alan Crabb get this goddamn contract? <laughs> Like what the <laughs> hell, man? He's making eighteen million right now, and then you got James the Nets. Johnson, James Johnson coming in at fifteen million, and then the rest of it kind of makes sense. But damn, what the hell? Like Evan Turner yeah. and Crab. What? Yeah, I think uh, them and the Hawks kind of traded uh, traded picks with each other and try to get bad contracts off their books. I think Evan Turner, everyone you mentioned, were on expiring, so after this year, they're they're no longer paying for them. Uh, okay. I actually don't know about James Johnson, but um, uh, they got off the T contract and I think they had to pay for it for, um, I think Gorgie Dang was part of that four-way trade. Um, um, I think that's who they had to give up, Gorgie Dang, who's who's like, I think is a pretty good player, plays good defense. He's a lane clogger and he can hit the three at a, uh, he shoots a three. I don't know if it's very good, but he shoots the three. Um <laughs> 38% from three that's uh, for a big that's all right um uh and 
Yeah, so after this year, I think they're going to be fine with a salary cap and they can get some guys. Um, or maybe if Malik Beasley and her and Gomez show something that um, we haven't already seen next season, they could give them extensions, like you said. Um, Malik Beasley could be a good good player for them. It opens up the floor as a playmaker, um, as a point scorer. Mm. All right. I think we exhausted our Timberwolves knowledge at the moment. Sure, uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, well, I like Malik Beasley. I wish he was on the Blazers. Uh, they also got some other former Blazers on the team. Jake Lehman, the layman. Hey. <laughs> he's playing some minutes for them. I, I think he was okay. He's just, he's a, he's a bench player. But, yep, you got a former Blazer on your team, so good luck, Timberwolves. And we'll move on to probably... The team with the the bleakest outlook, in my opinion, Cleveland Cavaliers. Bad juju coming out of that locker room and the stories behind the head coach. And a lot of bad juju. All the veterans on the roster just uh, didn't really back them up. And, of course, if your veterans aren't backing you up, the young guys aren't going to give you any respect as well. So uh, their most notable players are... Uh, what Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Colin Sexton, and Darius Garland. And that's who I can name off the top of my head. Yeah, this is like a low-key, very expensive team with Andre Drummond now on the team and Kevin Love. And then they're going to have to pay one of the two, Darius Garland or Colin Sexton. It's kind of crazy that this team is so expensive for how bad it is. Um uh, there's Jordan Clarkson on the team. I for, I totally forgot about him. Larry Nance has been doing all right this year, but it's just been completely gone unseen because the, they're so bad. They're on almost no televised games, essentially. Is that all you got on the Cavs? <laughs> I thought you were going to go for a bit longer. Uh, they did uh, beat the Miami Heat today, so I guess that's a good thing. Kevin Porter Jr., another notable rookie that they drafted this season and dropped 30 points, eight rebounds and three steals. I think that's easily by far and away his best season or best game of the season. Uh, speaking more on some of the other young guys, I haven't watched much of Darius Gar Garland, but I did watch Colin Sexton. Uh, he was really uh, awesome at Alabama when he was playing point for them. He was in one of these notable games where I think Bama had like, five of their players foul out or something and it, he played a game where he, it was just three three guys versus five so it was three on five i think he had like 40 points or something like that it's just something i remember uh and i've liked what he's done he hasn't quite hit the level that i think the cavaliers were expecting from him but he's shown some promise uh he's a solid playmaker uh he's got really great athleticism and can probably be a great defender for them as well. Uh, Darius Garland, I didn't see too much from him. Uh, he played very few games at the college level. I think he got injured. And he hasn't been too awesome this season. Uh, but he's shooting, I guess, respectable for a rookie compared to some of the other guys we brought up. He's shooting about 40% from the field, 35% from the three-point line, and pretty good from the free throw line. Uh, 87%. And yeah, he hasn't brought much else. Uh, he's four assists per game and 12 points per game. So that's the story on Garland. Um, I think. Yeah, I just want to 
jump in here. I just think this uh, team is just like everyone's trying to play for something, and that's reflected in how many assists they get per game. They have one of the lowest assist rates in, in the entire league. Um, it just seems like everyone's trying – like Darius Garland is always going to get compared to Colin Sexton on his team. I don't know the dynamic there. Maybe they're good friends. Maybe they're not competitive. But they essentially play the same position, and they're trying to do their best Damian Lillard, CJ, uh, copycat move as best they can. Um, Kevin Love is trying to increase his trade value because he hates being on that team. Tristan Thompson's working on expiring that uh, he has the potential to get bought out. And he wants to go to a contending team. Uh, and a lot of rumors around the Lakers is doing that. Um, Andre Drummond was a lifelong Pistons fan. I mean, Pistons, Pistons player. And he was really bummed out that he got traded by the Pistons for essentially nothing. Um, Jordan Clarkson, uh, he's just a role player that's trying to fit in, I guess. It just seems like everybody, every good player on this team is trying to better their own game and has no incentive to make their quote unquote team better. Cause it just seems like everyone's going to go somewhere at some point. And the front office is not putting any kind of confidence or behind this team whatsoever. Yeah. It's, it's kind of disappointing to see like they really have been super incompetent ever since LeBron left. When LeBron left the first time, they were a bottom barrel team, and then they got Kyrie Irving, um, and they were still pretty bad with Irving on the team. And then LeBron came back, brought them a championship, and then took off to L.A., and, yeah, they went straight down, <laughs> straight down to the bottom of the standings again. And they just haven't quite figured out what they're doing there. Uh, they paid... Kevin Love this fat contract out of like I don't know was it a loyalty move or they were like yeah we're gonna build around Kevin Love because we saw how well he was and how good he was in Minnesota you know and we're gonna give him that money he's gonna be returned to form like when he was averaging like 25 and 12 rebounds but he didn't and I think they overthought his value I think the big reason they signed him to the contract was trying to make a movable piece to maybe grab some picks from another team. But he, uh, I don't know if he suffered from injuries, but he didn't live up to the hype and didn't get the type of value that they were expecting. So they just haven't moved on from him and he's still on the books. And he probably was made one of the main instigators of getting the head coach fired at, was it John Beeline was the head coach, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, he's not happy. Uh, he would have been an okay person to trade for for the Blazers. I, I mean, he's not a great defensive player, but he'd be a pretty good fit, I think, in our system. Just being a space out four that can get rebounds and shoot the three well. I just don't think we have the money for him. I personally, I, I would have traded Whiteside for Kevin Love. I mean, yeah, that's not a crazy the thing to say, but I just, uh, I, I, I don't know. There's no incentive to do that unless you're really rebuilding. I think we'd have to throw in like, we'd have to throw in uh Collins or something for that or a first round pick down the line for it. It, it just seems like uh, there's no incentive for them to just trade off Kevin Love's contract unless they really, really, really wanted to off his contract. Um, it's just a weird moves. I don't know what was more damaging because like everybody knew that 
LeBron James leaving was going to lead to them being bad. Like everybody knew that, but the way they started to rebuild after that, I mean, it was bad. And then like they, they uh, said goodbye to Griffin who went on to be the GM for the Pelicans and look at the Pelicans. Now they have a, a, a bedrock of great picks and great uh, young players, including probably the most hyped player since LeBron James himself, Zion Williamson. So it's well, just kind of crazy. Luck. That's just luck getting Zion, though. I mean, you can't one, but negotiating oh, the AD trade, negotiating the AD trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. But, but like, like negotiating the AD trade, like that was pretty big. I, I wish them the best of luck. Uh, I enjoyed watching when LeBron James was there, <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite teams was when Irving was just going nuts in his like rookie year on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They they weren't a very good team then, but Irving was just having his breakout like rookie season. Um, I'm waiting to see what Colin Sexton does. I hope he takes the next step. He's in his second year now, and then you got Darius Garland. Uh, he's having a decent rookie year uh but yeah like you're saying they're trying to build that kind of lillard cj call up um combo um haven't quite reached those levels yet obviously but sexton's a good young player um haven't watched too much of darius garland but uh, i've seen some decent highlights he's had some cool no look passes uh and they brought in andre drummond i'm not sure what the long-term move is there if they want to keep him and build around him and with this performance tonight, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. looks like another promising young player. So they do have some talent. They're not devoid of it. Um, they're not a super old team. And they're obviously not expected to make a win-now move. Or So they got some time. I mean, I'm sure the Cleveland fans are pretty frustrated. Um, but they did win a championship the last decade, which is more than a lot of teams. Um, so you can't get too spoiled there when you win a championship recently, but I know the, the heartfelt when you, like, if you're a Blazers fan, it's just, we've been so close so many, many times and it's been pretty frustrating as well. Yeah, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Their entire roster, like you can't even play your best five players. You can't even play together. Like they have three, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Andre Drummond. They all essentially play the same position. You can move Tristan Thompson to the power forward position, but in today's NBA, Tristan Thompson is probably a more classical center than uh, Kevin Love or whatever. Like you can't play them three on the court. It's kind of hard to play Collins and Garland on the court at the same time, unless you have like really good guys to switch from because they're kind of not very good at uh, defense. So none of this team makes sense. And it's it might be a just telltale sign that they're trying to rebuild. Yeah. I'm looking up more info on Kevin Porter Jr. Because, I, I don't know, he just popped up in that feed for his 30-point game against the Heat. He's from Seattle, Washington, so shout out to that. Uh, he's six foot four, 218 pounds, and he's only 19 years old, which I'm sure Darius Garland's pretty young as well. Let me check his age real quick. Garland's 20. So, yeah, they got young pieces. And, uh, yeah, not sure what they're going to do with the Kevin Love contract, uh, whether that gets moved this offseason or whenever. Uh, Tristan Thompson, he's been a candidate to 
get moved off to one of these contender teams, but we'll see. Uh, I, I don't expect them to take a giant leap next year, but hopefully they show some promise and Sexton and Garland take the next step. So let's move on to the final team sitting at the bottom of the standings, the Golden State Warriors, which this is really just an asterisk by this. Like they're obviously not one of the worst teams in the NBA. Like <laughs> they're just Curry's hurt. Klay Thompson has missed the whole year. And basically with your top two players, it's really rough um, to perform. They have Draymond Green, but Green's a great player when he's surrounded by shooters. And I think that's kind of been shown. He's still playing hard and playing defense, but he's never been an offensive threat on the level that uh, Curry and Thompson provide. Like, And he relies it's a lot of his offense from the spacing or from being left alone, essentially, when Thompson and Curry on the floor. And they made the move to bring in Wiggins, which uh, a lot of people, some people don't like it because Wiggins has a fat contract. But we discussed it last podcast or podcast before that, and we both kind of settled on. We kind of like the move for the Warriors, and it's just a better fit than Russell is along with than Russell fits with Thompson and Curry, like Wiggins is more of a serviceable small forward and fits into that Harrison Barnes Durant role uh, for them. And I, I look forward to what Wiggins can provide. He had some solid games uh, when he was traded to the Warriors. Uh, They were both in like losing efforts, but he shot the ball well and showed some of the haters that he could still play. He's not a, he's not a bum. Like uh, Draymond Green said about him. Um, so I, I like what the Warriors are doing. They're probably going to take a leap right back up into playoff contention after this, especially if Curry and Thompson are fully healthy. Like they're going to be easily like a top five team in the West. And as long as Green kind of keeps his play at where it's at and plays the way he played at the end of the 2019 playoffs, like they're going to be a great team next year. And this is just like, oh, let's just take a break catch our breaths and retool and we're going to probably contend next year. Yeah. Uh, going off what you said, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it, I'm just excited to see um, Draymond Green really get into Wiggins's face and like push him to be a better player next year. Um, Draymond Green doesn't give a flying F who you are. He's just going to get in your face if he sees you giving less than a hundred percent out on the, on the court. Um, and he did it to the, to the best player at the time, Kevin Durant. So he, he's not going to give it a, a flying F what uh, Wiggins thinks about him. Maybe Wiggins shuts down and then they'll trade him because Draymond doesn't like him very much, but it's going to be fun to see next year for sure. And in playoff contention, it's just going to even put more, more wrenches in that huge playoff mix. And it's just going to gunk everything up once again. And it's just going to be a dog fight like it is every year. Yeah. Yeah. Warriors fans, you can't get too down in the dumps. I'm, I'm sure a lot of them are just probably just not even tuning in this year and just be like, they probably understand too, that they're just going to return right back into the top contending teams next year. Uh, and they can't get down in the dumps because they won freaking three championships last decade and had Durant 
the best player in the league joined the best player in the team. So they've had a lot go right for them the past decade. And yeah, so keep that snarkiness to yourself. All right. Kind of took a quick look, well, a long look at these five teams. And I, I think I like what the Hawks are doing. I think they got a chance to scrap for that seven to eight seed next year. Timberwolves, they got a couple things going on, but they got some talent on that roster. Knicks, it's probably the Knicks and the Cavs, it's probably not looking good. I still don't think they're going to make that jump to playoff contention next year, unless the Knicks make some crazy offseason moves. But they got their books clogged up by three power forwards. Um, maybe RJ Barrett takes a great leap next year. Uh, he's he, he was obviously a highly touted prospect. He was projected to be the number one overall pick um, before Zion had a crazy season at Duke. And yeah, I think Barrett can take his level of play up up quite a few levels because I don't think he's playing quite as good as I think he can be. Um, so that would be interesting to see for the Knicks. Uh, Cavaliers, I wish you the best, but <laughs> it's not going to be great. Let's just move on to let him eat. He's heating up. He's got smoke coming off his fingertips. Are you kidding me? He's as hot as a blowtorch. It's a heat check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time. So there was a lot of great NBA performances. I'm just going to go through them real fast. Trey Young had a career high. Uh, in the win over the Heat, he had 50 points, two rebounds, eight assists, two steals, and one block. And he had this sweet crossover on Andre Iguodala that sent him stumbling before calmly draining, draining a deep three. Uh, I watched the highlights on this one. He was taking a lot of deep threes. Like, it was pretty impressive. Like, <laughs> I think over half of them were from, like, 30-plus feet. Uh, so just a great performance overall from him. Giannis was dominant in the win over the Sixers uh, a couple days after Embiid said he was the best player in the world. Uh, Giannis kind of shut that talk up and dropped 31 points, 17 rebounds, and eight assists against that team. Uh, he was he was pretty good in that one. Um, a lot of excellent, like, he had the spin jumper he kind of busted out, which I thought was cool. Uh, and we then we move on boxing. We had Tyson Fury with the technical KO over Wilder, uh, with those great punches. And it, I don't know if it was an upset in people's eyes, but it was just a great performance, uh, great fight by him. CJ McCollum dropped 41 points, nine rebounds, 12 assists, and one steal in the win over Detroit. Uh, I think it was a career high in tw- tw- uh, assists for CJ, and it was a great performance bounce-back performance from losing to the Pelicans. Uh, XFL, P.J. Walker, he had 24 of 35 passes for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, He also ran four times for 34 yards and a score. I'm, again, telling you to watch P.J. Walker. He's really exciting. And one more honorable mention, Bradley Bill on the Wizards. He's dropped back-to-back 50-point games and both of them have been in losing efforts uh much maligned wizards team they're still uh actually in contention for the eighth seed in the east so who do you want to give the performance to oh boy uh i think i'm gonna give it to tyson fury we don't get a lot of exciting uh boxing matches as many as 50 point games this year 
So I'm going to give it to Tyson Fury. Um, I think that Wilder, I mean, they both came into the the fight essentially undefeated. Tyson Fury, uh, essentially undefeated. So taking on Wilder and just absolutely playing with him the entire time is kind of a crazy effort. Um, I think Tyson Fury etched himself into a tier that he won't, won't live down. Uh, given his story, it's a pretty cool story. So, all right. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, I was had a tough time deciding between, between CJ and Trey Young, but I'm gonna give it to Trey Young. Uh, it was a uh, one of their wins. I've been few and far between for the Hawks, but it was a win over the Miami Heat, which is a contender in the East that are slight contender. I think they're like a three or four seed. Uh, 50 points is no small feat. Uh, I watched the highlights. It was all needed for him. It was everything was going through him towards the end of the game. He had some nice drives to basket and all, just a lot of deep threes that uh, Lillard esque when Lillard was on that crazy hot run he's been on. Um, but yeah, young was pulling from the logo and once again, try to shake off that Luca monkey that's on his back. It's always got to be there. <laughs> But uh, great performance by him, and I'll give him the performance of the week. So we'll move on to the weekly showdown. In spirit of that all-star game, we're going to look at the best in-game dunker. And I had the first pick this week, and I chose Vince Carter. Half man, half amazing. I. Uh, he has a wicked arsenal, uh, 360, 360s, Tomahawk jams, and windmills. Uh, my personal favorite dunk of his, uh, since this is in-game dunker, because uh, he, he also had some crazy all-star dunk performances. His best all-star one was probably the elbow dunk, uh, which a lot of people point to. But in-game, I'm going to give it to his dunk over the seven-footer Frederick Weiss. This was an Olympic game, and it's just ridiculous. He easily clears them. Like it's not like he's like ju- like dunking and then kind of leaning on him. He clears the seven-footer, and it's just Frederick Weiss doesn't doesn't even know what's going on. Down, which he did, but Peyton still goes right at it. This fires. Bonato gets with a sloppy pass. Carter inside. Oh! Oh! <laughs> and the crowd <laughs> responds to a spectacular dunk from Vince Carter. Now you see why Frederick Weiss is going to go play in Greece. He didn't want to see that on a nightly basis. <laughs> My goodness, he was shot out of a rocket. Airborne for Carter, and the heat is up to 17. All right, so my favorite in-game dunker, the best in-game dunker, is Sean Kemp. Let me tell you a little story about his all-time dunk. He's in everybody's top five in-game dunks of all time. Dunks, period. I'll, I'll take all-star uh, a dunk contest, too. He dunks over Alton Lister, who is a defensive player. He played for the Warriors, and during the playoffs – uh lister in game three held him to three of 17 for shooting i believe and kemp was on a huge tear and in game three held him to 
uh, five of 14 for shooting. Sorry, that's a correction. Five or to 14. And he's was scoring around 28 points that entire stretch. And he held him to 17 points. The next game in the infamous dunk, he, I think everybody remembers him dunking over Lister and then doing the double point before going on. That was in game four. And it was called the revenge dunk, the Lister blister. And as one of his teammates was double teamed, he passed to Nate McMillan, who's a coach for the, the 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 Pacers right now, passed out to Sean Kemp. And Sean Kemp from the three-point line had a head of steam and essentially does a windmill dunk on his on on uh Lister. Here the Sonics go chance to take the lead again. Pierce left side. Works on Hardaway to the baseline. Slapped away from behind Ricky goes back to get it. Fires across court. Kemp's got it right up into the alley. And it's the most infamous dunk because it was done in playoffs. He did the double point and everybody remembers it. It's probably the most memorable dunk because of it. And it's in every highlight reel. If you just do compilations of highlights and NBA, NBA anything, NBA highlights period, that'll be on it somewhere. So the most memorable dunk. And he didn't only do that one. He, whether it was jumping over someone, and Lister, by the way, is seven feet tall, and he was trying to defend the 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 uh, the, the dunk. So that's what I gotta do. Uh, impressive dunks. As far as impressive dunks, that ranks at the top for me. I think I was about to fall asleep there because you're oh, reading off so many stat sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know the story time of the Sonics playoff run. But uh, good pick, local pick for the Sonics. Uh, hope they <laughs> sometime return to Seattle. Vince Carter also had some great uh, dunks on NBA players. Uh, I was watching some of his highlights earlier. He dunks on uh, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, and he just has a lot of wicked dunks that he's pulled off in his career. Uh, I don't. I think he's still on the Hawks right now, and he's probably gonna retire this year or next year. Because, uh, yeah, it's coming to an end for him. But, yeah, he had some wicked dunks and really brought a lot of fame to the Raptors and kind of made them a name to be, like, reckoned with him and uh, Tracy McGrady when they were both on the Raptors. So it kind of brought them to light. Um, so that's kind of his legacy. Uh, I don't have anything for last call. Uh, unless you wanted to t- discuss anything, we can close out the show. And get ready for next week. I'm ready for next week, baby. Let's go. All right. Thanks for joining us. Later. Foul to give for Houston. Nine tenths left. A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Hey, producer Jackie here. Thank you for listening to the Hall of Lane podcast. Please like, subscribe, and leave a review, and probably tell a friend or two about this show. Follow us on Twitter at The Hall of Lane. We're now available on seven podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in.